Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk a little bit about the LSU Tigers. Matt Moscona joins us from ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge in New Orleans. Matt, welcome in. How are you? Wes, I'm good, man. How are you? Man, I'm good. Joined by Joe Klein in the studio today. Matt, uh, What's up, Joe? Hey, Matt, how are you? Good, man. Thanks. Good. Uh, sum up LSU. Uh, now that Pinson's back, uh, you know I think it was well chronicled when he was out that this team struggled. Now he's back. Is this team is this team back? Um, they're not what they were before the the first Arkansas meeting. Um, look, man, th- that game was interesting, wasn't it? Like the mm. two different directions both teams have taken since. You know, Arkansas started zero and three in conference. That. That LSU win really catapulted them. Uh, I mean, I'd argue they're as hot as anybody in the in the league right now. And LSU kind of started a spiral. They lost six of seven. I think they lost a lot of their mojo. When they're right, West, they're still really good, man. They're an elite defensive team. They lead the SEC. If not, I haven't checked today, but they may still lead the country in, in turnovers forced per game. They're really good in transition. Uh, they're not great in the half court offensively, and that's an Achilles heel. They uh, – they find themselves in foul trouble a lot. Uh, I think that's a big question tonight with Jalen Williams. So, um, you know, it, it's perplexing. On the right night, I think, with the right matchup, they, they can beat you know, they can beat a lot of teams, maybe except a handful in the country. But they, they certainly have some Achilles heels that have been exposed a lot this year. And I, I think you know, this, this matchup tonight might be one of those that, that's really tough on them. What is their issue in the half court? So, they, I don't know how deeply you want me to go into this, but the, the short answer is they like shooters, right? Last year, I mean, Cam Thomas was awesome. I mean, look what he's doing for the Nets right now. But, you know, they, they brought in Adam Miller, who's a transfer from, from Illinois, and Adam Miller was supposed to be their, you need a bucket, he's, he's going to be their leading scorer. And Miller tore his ACL before the season, and so they kind of had to pivot. And they just don't have – great shooters on this team. They don't have the guy that can go get you a bucket. So some nights guys get hot. I mean, Tari Eason has been maybe the most pleasant surprise in the conference, if not the country. I mean, a guy who was a marginal player at Cincinnati turned himself into a lottery pick. Uh, but, man, West, the last two games, Tari Eason's played a combined 33 minutes. He fouled out after 13 minutes in Lexington and fouled out after 20 minutes at home against Mizzou. Mm-hmm. So, they just they don't have the guy that they can consistently count on to go take over a game. Like look at what Note did the other day. Like they don't have that that you can consistently count on. So that's that's been their problem, man. Um, you know, if they run up against a dominant big in the post and they're finding it tough to finish around the rim, they don't have someone that can consistently knock down shots. And so when when that happens, it's it's pre- it's pretty obvious when it happens. So they need to create offensively off of their defense. Does Matt, does that, uh, it seems like to me in watching them, they're more effective when they can press, but there's, yeah. a, but there's a lack of depth, would you say? So do you think that that kind of, like the Kentucky game in the second half and things like that, it seems like they wear down a little bit. I mean, not a lot, but it just seems like against better opposition, there's a little bit of a, uh, closing, having to close games is a little concern. Would you would you agree with they they lack a little bit of depth? No, I don't think it's a depth issue. Okay. Uh, they got numbers. 
And you know, and Sharif O'Neal um, gave him 19 minutes the other night. That was a, a pleasant surprise. Gave him nine points. Maybe what a what a double digit rebounds. I don't remember off the top. Maybe seven boards, but they had a block a shot. I they 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 have bodies okay. uh, and they have depth and guys that they feel like they they can go to. Kentucky was interesting because look, that's that's a really good example. Yeah. Same thing happened when they were at South Carolina. It was a tale two halves against Kentucky. LSU goes to Lexington and they lead by double digits the whole first half. They led at rough by eight at half. They held Kentucky to 23 points. And then in the second half, Kentucky just pounded Sheebway, the, the ball, the entire second half. And LSU didn't have an answer for that. Um, so I don't know that necessarily it's an issue of wearing down. I think it was a great adjustment by Cal in that ball game. So specifically tonight, I think it's an example where, like, can Jalen Williams take over this ball game on both ends of the floor? I think he's he's the key to this to this game. If he gets Efton Reed into foul trouble early and Tar East into foul trouble, I don't know that LSU is going to have a guy on the floor that's going to be on either end of the floor that's going to be an answer for that. So I don't think it's I don't think it's depth so much as it is specific matchups where there are just very clear instances when LSU played Auburn. Walker Kessler took over that ball game. It's just there are examples where teams with dominant bigs have given LSU a lot of trouble. LSU seems like a team, they, they want to speed it up. They do not want to get into a slow-paced game. And that's not Arkansas either. I mean, Arkansas is going to, wants to go with it too. They don't want to walk it up and slow this down. But to me, that tempo would almost seem to favor LSU tonight with what they want to do. I, I think that's why the line is what it is. Their line's five and Arkansas five and a half. Because um, stylistically, I think it'll be somewhat similar. Um, and and if Arkansas turns it over, you know if LSU with their with their pressure can can force turnovers and points in transition, that could favor LSU. The West, the flip side of it is what could also happen is what happened when LSU played Auburn on the road, and that game started eighteen to one because I did they were playing. Game. You know, Bruce Pearl wanted tempo, right? Bruce yeah. Pearl wanted tempo, yeah. but LSU could not get around the rim and finish because Walker Kessler was just. Walker Kessler, I think, he had double digit blocks. You, you have to check. Yeah, I think he had, he had like 12 blocks. Yeah, he had a triple double. And yeah, it was crazy. And so if if LSU's not finishing and then they're settling for jump shots and missing, mm-hmm. and then you're creating opportunities in transition for Arkansas, and then 20,000 people start going bonkers, you could have the snowball effect. So I, I think it's, it's important. I, I do think that the pace will favor LSU if, if they can go finish around the rim. If a guy like Imwani Wilkinson, you know, he's he doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but he's the highest three-point percentage shooter on this team because he gets good looks and he knocks them down. If Imwani in the corner hits a few early, that's the kind of thing that can kind of get LSU into the game, and then you get to that second rotation where Tari Eason will come off the bench and he gives you a sincere advantage, and you get Eric Gaines off the bench, who's this real defensive stopper. And and that's the type of, of tempo or game that could favor LSU. If they get down early, you know, before the you know the uh you know the the under twelve timeout and it's it's kind of snowballing on them, that's when you wonder, all right, are they gonna just exert so much energy just trying to make this a game that they can't finish? I, I think that's the type of game that Arkansas would we're talking with Matt Moscona, ESPN radio in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Matt, after two weeks of uh Baseball, how's the the Tigers how are the Tigers looking? Well, um I think there was a lot of optimism around here, but there typically there typically is just it's just kind of the expectation. 
You know, but we didn't really know what to expect with Jay Johnson. I mean, everyone's been really impressed, and he certainly has a lot of arms, and everyone's talking about the bats. But if, the, if there is a big surprise, I think it's how much further along the pitching is than we kind of thought. Um, yeah, they return Dylan Cruz and Trey Morgan and Gavin Dugas, who led the SEC and RBIs last year. I mean, they had a lot of bats, and they added Jacob Berry, All-American from Arizona, came over with Jay Johnson. I mean, everybody thought this team was going to hit, and they have. They've mashed the baseball. Um, but I think the big question was, I mean, they had nobody from their rotation returning, so how would that shape up? And, man, Blake Money looks every bit a Friday night guy. You know, he's a guy who you knew had stuff, but it was more could could he command it, could he have that Friday night presence. And so far, so good, but a much bigger test this weekend. Obviously, they'll, they'll be playing in Houston, that Shriners Classic, and they'll get – Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll know much more about about that pitching staff. But and their ability to pound strikes, to not walk guys, to do sweet contact. It's it's been impressive. And um, you know, they they've got a lot more arms that they feel can go get them outs consistently than I thought anybody really realistically thought they did. So um you know the competition will ratchet up and we'll know know more. But yeah, they, they certainly look like a top ten team, you know, a team that's gonna contend. That um their schedule's brutal, Wes. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've looked at it, but then they got to go to Arkansas, to Mississippi State, to Vanderbilt, to Florida. I mean, it's the schedule makers did Jay Johnson no favors <laughs> in, in his first year. So I, you know, that schedule may prevent them from from being the team that wins the SEC this year. But boy, they, that's a team that that come June should make a lot of noise. Spring football's right around the corner. Have things settled down a little bit for your football coach? I, I think so. Um, Man, that you know, so I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this before. And, and I mean, look, candidly, LSU just hasn't had a lot of coaching turnover in the football. Program. I mean, you know, they had Nick, and then Les was there for, for twelve years, and so it's just it's just haven't seen it much. But you know, that transition, but um, man, Brian Kelly did his introductory press conference when he was hired at the beginning of December, and he didn't meet the media again until last week. Hmm. I mean, he did not do a signing day press conference. He did not introduce his coaches. I mean, it was radio silence. I, and I think a big reason was because, boy, he just had a a pretty Herculean task. I mean, Ed Ogeron, it's pretty clear, left this thing as a dumpster fire. I mean, LSU played with 38 scholarship players in that bowl game. And, I mean, guys, think about that. 38 scholarship mm. players at, at LSU? I, I mean, it's it was it was stunning. So I think Brian Kelly, I mean, he look, they hit the transfer portal hard. They added 15 transfer players already. Um, he just had to make over this roster and had to do it in a hurry and then assemble a staff in a hurry. So it was head down work. I think they've stabilized things. They've got their numbers back. I think they like the staff that they've assembled. And, uh, you know, we'll get to learn more about what it's going to look like on the field when they hit, when they hit spring practice here in a couple weeks. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think you used a good word. It's settled down. It's stabilized, certainly, from where it was the last two years under Ogeron. Are they back up to 85 scholarships now? I think they're just below it. They've got. I know they've got four more spots, like four more transfer spots they can fill if they want to. Um, I guess you know, if you don't count like walk-ons that mm-hmm. they you know you know make offer a scholarship to, I, I guess they're probably right around 80 or, or upper 70s. So they're they're in a much better spot. Um, the real question, though, like the question, though, is and so you add transfer players. Well, how much better are you? Right. Like, I'll give you an example that you all can relate to. Dwight McLaughlin transfers to Arkansas. 
Joe Fouché and Greg Brooks transferred to LSU. Well, the best of those three players is McLaughlin. McLaughlin has a shot to be a, a first-round pick. LSU's not better losing Dwight McLaughlin and Elias Ricks, even with the veteran guys that they got. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know how much better they're going to be. Their numbers are there. They're going to have depth. They're going to have guys with college experience. But like this, this isn't going to – year one under Brian Kelly, they're not going to be a contender. You know, it's if they manage to find a way to get to nine wins and maybe win a bowl game and get to ten, I, I think that's probably a stealing year one. You know, everything goes really, really great. I think that's probably a ceiling. Um, but man, uh, it with the money they gave him, with the expectation around these parts, that that's not going to be the expectation for long. But but I think that's probably realistic in year one. You're high on McLaughlin. McLaughlin, what what should Razorback fans know about him? I, he he was a big surprise last year, right? Because it, it was Stingley and Ricks, and and Stingley got hurt, and then Ricks got hurt, and so McLaughlin got forced into a starting role, and he didn't miss a beat. Like, he's a legit number one outside cornerback. Like, he will go lock down whoever the opponent's best receiver is and and be a dude. Um, losing him was was significant here, man. I, I mean – I mean, they lost him and Ricks. You know, Ricks is at Alabama. So they lost their two best cornerbacks to SEC West team. But McLaughlin's a guy that's, if not a first-round pick, he's a, he's a second-round corner. I mean, he is, he's 6'2", he's long. I mean, he's your prototypical pterodactyl out on an island, you know, just swallowing up receivers and, and shortening throwing windows. Um, I mean, he's, he's, if you build it in a lab, that's what it's supposed to look like. He's, I mean... Arkansas got a great player, Dwight McLaughlin. He's going to be he'll, – he'll be your number one cornerback next year, and he'll be a high draft pick. Okay, everybody's asking, why, why did he leave? What happened? Look, you know, I try to explain this to LSU fans as well. Like, look at what the last two years was like at LSU. You know, Dwight McLaughlin comes in, and it's COVID. So everything that you're recruited on after LSU wins a national championship, it's nothing like that. The COVID year was awful. There was so much racial um, um, tension around the program. I mean, I don't know if you all remember that, but LSU players marched to the president's office, you know, without Ed Ogeron. I mean, it was objectively awful here in 2020. The defense stunk under Bo Pelini. He yelled at everyone when he got fired. You know, then you come back in 2021, and Ed Ogeron gets the team stinks. Ed Ogeron gets fired halfway through the year. So the head coach, the you know, two defensive coordinators in two years, the, the cornerbacks coach, Corey Raymond, that all these kids come to play for, he goes to Florida. You know, Eli Ricks leaves you know, for Alabama. I mean, McLaughlin looks around. It's just nothing like the school he committed to. Hmm. You've gone 500 for two years. Your position coach is gone. you got a new head coach. You'll be in your third defensive coordinator in three years. Like, it's just a bad situation. I mean, I know people look at it and they think LSU, but – Guys, I mean, give, look at the 10,000-foot view of what it's been like here for the last two years. I mean, it's, it's been a mess. And so I can understand a kid from Texas who comes here and it's nothing like what he thought it was going to be. I mean, Arkansas has been better the last two years than LSU. Uh, I mean, it's a better situation there. You know, Barry Odom's a great defensive coordinator. I, I, I get it. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, for a guy looking for a one-year opportunity, you know, I, I see why you could look and say that's a better 
opportunity than than trying for a you know, new head coach and a third defensive coordinator in three years here in Baton Rouge. What does the LSU fan base think of Brian Kelly's dancing videos? Do you guys get as much amusement out of it as us? You know, I think generally it, it's kind of – okay, so from a fan's perspective, they're obviously going to defend their guy. Mm. Um, you know, let's like draw the lines in the sand. But the thing that I really don't – and I mean, he's obviously an awkward, goofy guy, but <laughs> he keeps going viral. Yeah. I mean, and talk to the recruits. They think it's hilarious. They love it. It's showing a different side of Brian Kelly. I mean, I, I guys, I don't care one way or another. If look, if, if getting on that that dancing thing with the spinning camera gets seven million views and and recruits are talking about you, I think it's a good thing. No different than Lane Kiffin when he was at FAU doing the awkward, you know, c- come come to the FAU videos where he looked unenthralled, but it went viral. Yeah, it's just. It's just a recruiting game. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you do what you got to do. I, I understand why people on the outside will laugh at him. But if it's – if, if every interview I do, people are asking me about Brian Kelly dancing, he's obviously getting attention. Getting attention for a program, positive attention that needs it. So, I, I'm, I'm, I just don't care. I don't care, <laughs> man. If he, if he keeps going viral, good for him, man. If it's helping him in recruiting, fine. If people want to laugh at him, okay. I just – I think the whole thing is this – is downright silly, quite honestly. Just my personal opinion. Matt, enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank have, you, Matt. Have a great day. Always, guys. See ya. Matt Moscone, ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge and New Orleans.